Good afternoon, and welcome to TerraTech's third quarter 2016 financial results conference call. A replay of this call will be available at www.smallcapvoice.com and will be archived on the Investor Relations section of the TerraTech website. Before we begin, please let me remind you that during the course of this conference call, TerraTech's management may make forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on expectations that are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. These risks are outlined in the risk factors section of our SEC filings. Any forward-looking statements should be considered in light of these factors. Please also note as a safe harbor, any outlook we present is as of today, and management does not undertake any obligation to revise any forward-looking statements in the future. With me on the call today are Derek Peterson, TerraTech's Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, and Mike James, Chief Financial Officer. With that, I would now like to turn the call over to Derek. Derek, please go ahead. Phil, thank you very much, and uh, I want to thank all of you. I think there's almost 400 people on the call today, um, which is interesting considering all of the uh, the news we have to deal with today. So I want to thank everybody to, today to, to be with us to discuss TerraTech's 2016 third quarter results, and I also want to take the time to provide an operational and business update. So I'm going to go through a regulatory update. We're going to chat a little bit about the financials. Mike James will dig deeper than uh, my surface level reporting. And then I'm going to go through some of the segments to give everybody some semblance of an update of uh, what's where and what our kind of strategic objectives are from today going forward. So uh, what a pivotal uh, pivotal point in history we're at right now, and uh, I know uh, this, this year's election was uh, very polarizing, and I know a lot of people woke up today uh, not really certain how one feels. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of concern in, in, in the world out there, a lot of concern in the marketplace, and uh, whatever side of the coin you sit on right now, again, we're all sitting here, I think, as a, as a group of people not necessarily understanding what the future may bring. However... What's getting lost in the headlines is a momentous uh, legislative shift that we've seen in the cannabis industry. Buried behind the Trump and Clinton headlines, we had massive, massive uh, forward progress in legalization, both from adult use and expanded uh, uh, medical throughout the country at this point in time. So if everybody hasn't paid attention, I'm sure there's a few of you that haven't seen, but I'm imagining most of you have. We've got adult use that passed in California. We've had adult use legalization that passed in Nevada as well as Massachusetts. We've also had a significant amount of medical passing and expanded medical in key states like Florida. What this means is for the first time, we are well over half the country and more, more importantly that, well over half the population living in an environment with some form of regulated cannabis. And this is really what we wanted to see happen coming into this election cycle with the unpredictability of both of the, uh, the, the, running, the, the, the people that were running. So both uh, Clinton as well as um, uh, Donald Trump, neither one of them were really overtly uh, supportive of uh, cannabis legalization, whether we're talking medical or, or adult use. They've both kind of passively said, let's, let, let's leave this up to the states. We want to have more, uh, more research done and that type of thing. But none of them was a huge uh, advocate for, uh, for expanded medical and or adult use. So that being said, it was very important from us, uh, from a medical cannabis standpoint, a recreational cannabis standpoint, to have as much of this legislation passed so that whoever ended up in the White House at the end of the day, they were walking into an environment, again, where it's well over half the population, well over half the country. And this is just a, a huge gap in the widening of Pandora's box, which from our perch is going to be very, very challenging to undo, even if it's their objective. We happen to believe our camp, from conversations that we've had 
of the Trump campaign and uh, President-elect Donald Trump will allow the industry to continue to grow at the rate it has. I don't know that we're going to see any huge federal overhaul in the short run, but I do believe that we're going to continue to allow states to make these types of decisions. And if things go the way that they've gone over the last 24 months, I think we see a tremendous snowballing effect in uh, the amount of states we have some semblance of deregulation and, or, for, or regulation, I should say. Um, again, we're more importantly than that, we're really, really pleased to finally see a taxed and regulated system in the two major markets, California and Nevada, that we deal in. We believe that this is going to do a few things. Accelerate our growth in California. It triples the, the cannabis market potential to size and scope. And all of our hard work at this point means that we've got basically first mover advantage in those marketplaces. And what I mean by that is Nevada, if you haven't read the legislation, we should be able to enact uh, some semblance of recreation adult use cannabis distribution sometime around summer. What that does is it gives the existing facilities, our three around Las Vegas and our one location in Reno, about an 18-month head start before they do any follow-on permitting and issuance of permits to additional facilities. In California, um, we're looking at the first part of 2018. So these are very, very impactful pieces of legislation for us. Specifically, I think you've heard me say in the past, specifically in the Nevada marketplace, because the medical market there was so immature, it was going to take 24 months to really begin to hit its stride and heat up. This is a huge, huge growth accelerant for us um, from a, from a top-line revenue and market share standpoint. I've, said, I've used the analogy before, in California, adult use legalization is like going from 60 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour because of the quasi-recreational aspects associated with a very broad and easy-to-access medical program here. Contrast that with the Nevada marketplace, that's like going from 10 miles per hour to 90. So we're in a great position. We're really, really fortunate we have the footprint in Nevada to be able to take advantage of this. But it really kind of accelerates the, um, the aggressive strategy we put in place to pivot towards adult use and, and the steps that we've taken to, 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 to position ourselves for that. Dipping into the financials, uh, I know the report just came out a little bit ago, but as we see, we reported strong growth this quarter. Revenues of approximately $7 million, which is an increase of 244% compared to the prior year. The first time the sales have really been driven largely higher by cannabis sales. We're starting to see cannabis sales become the majority compared and contrasted against the produce and flower sales we do on the agricultural side. Cannabis sales, again, include our Bloom Oakland location, our Western Las Vegas revenue, and also our IVEX wholesale branded products distribution in the California marketplace. Gross margins had a relatively small increase quarter over quarter, but we have a significant plan for gross margin expansion. I've made this promise that not only are we going to go after top-line revenue growth, but our, our secondary uh, motivation and strategic plan is to increase margins as drastically as possible. And we've made great progress in margin expansion over the last 24 months, but one of the things that's holding us back from realizing significant market gross margin expansion is the flower business. And when I don't mean the cannabis flowers, I mean the ornamental flower business we still do on the edible garden produce side. So we've had the division that distributes flowers out to the major retailers that we also deliver the produce for, and we needed to keep that business segment intact because we were worried if we dropped the flower business, we wouldn't also be able to continue the produce distribution. Now we've created such 
energy and such demand for our produce division, it stands on its own. We're going to be able to, we're going to begin to migrate out of the flour business. And what that's going to mean is a little bit of loss in revenue, but that revenue loss will be more than made up by the accretive activities out of Nevada, the expansion of the Ibex brand, M&A activity, and that type of thing. So we won't be feeling any true reduction, but we wanted to get that business segment migrated out because that, the margins on that segment are so razor thin, they're affecting our overall margins, our blended margins, and we really want to make that a primary focus going into 2017. So to follow through on achieving the higher margins, for example, we're going to cut down the packaging costs across the board. We're really digging into the P&L. Give you one example. We sat in a meeting the other day, and we were looking at our packaging costs associated with our IVEX boxes. We were paying a dollar a piece for them. We've renegotiated with our vendors because the volumes have increased because the market's expanded. We got those product packaging costs down to twenty cents per unit. Those types of activities that we repeat over and over again, saving a nickel and dime here, are really going to what's going to be going into that overall margin expansion for the company and getting that P and L to look even healthier. So while we have that significant time top-line growth and we're really trying to go after expansion, um, we want to make sure when we bring in these subsidiaries or grow these subsidiaries organically, we get these subsidiaries to the point where they're net income positive and cash flow positive on their own. We'll still have corporate burn because we're still in expansion mode and we're going after new projects around the country, but we want to make sure the operating subsidiaries in and of themselves are self-sufficient. And that's really our primary objective coming into 2017-2018 timeframe. Um, we're witnessing strong performance from each one of our dispensaries right now. Bloom Oakland obviously leads the pack because it's a very developed marketplace. Las Vegas Western Avenue Dispensary is growing every month. We're finding increased patient base and increased revenue. Same thing with the Decatur Boulevard location in Las Vegas. The third location that we opened in Desert Inn uh, had a great grand opening there. We actually came out of the gate doing better numbers in that location as we thought we might than the other, the other locations in the Las Vegas area. And I think it's part of that's to do with the proximity to the convention center, the ease of access to the Strip, and the overall demographic in that neighborhood. Uh, in addition, we're finishing up construction in the Reno, northwest Nevada area. We expect a soft opening in late November, so we'll have some activity out of there to finish the year off. Uh, in addition to that, as you all know, San Leandro, uh, we want a permit out of San Leandro that was both a retail facility as well as a laboratory to expand the IVEX manufacturing and concentrate brands. Shareholders will have seen with it, we recently announced this, but like our other, unlike our other retail outlets, this one's going to have the, uh, the lab facility to, to, to continue to expand the pre-filled cartridge business as well as the concentrates. The plans are very early stage at this point, but we plan to open the facility in the second half of 2017 and beginning construction in the first part of 2017. Vegas cultivation, I think we get a lot of questions on what's where. One of the reasons we slowed down the cultivation facility in Vegas was for two reasons. Number one, we knew the medical program was going to take time to expand. So I didn't want to build a huge amount of infrastructure, employ a bunch of people into some semblance of a vacuum in an undeveloped market. So we kind of patiently waited this out so we didn't have the capital expenditure in a time frame where there wasn't a significant amount of patient base. And now we're finding on the medical side, it's way easier for patients to get signed up. It doesn't take 30 or 60 days anymore. It takes 24 hours. You can do the activity online. Coupled with the fact of recreational adult use legalization being a huge catalyst in terms of what sales potential may look like in the 2017-2018 arena. So we've perfectly timed this from our perch uh, and we're looking to have this facility open during the third quarter of 2017. 
in our opinion, just shortly after the recreational initiative takes place for our current facility. Um, organic growth out of IVEX is a, is a significant focus of ours in the California marketplace, especially with the uh, adult use passing. IVEX sales increased 261% compared to the second quarter of 2016, and this was sales outside of our retail um, facility bloom. That's not inclusive of that. Our cannabis cartridges have performed extremely well. These convenience items of pre-filled cartridges coupled with you know, pre-rolls and those types of grab-and-go items are becoming a dominant amount of the, uh, the sales uh, that, that, that most retail dispensaries are recognizing. We're going to continue to launch a variety of cannabis strains and varying potencies. We expect continue upward growth. We have a significant plan to build out the wholesale business to grow market share. That means additional sales force, a different a additional advertising. And now we're able to kind of pivot from that, you know, traditional medical type advertising to something that's more lifestyle branding, something that's more, you know, you know, kind of aligned with the alcohol industry or something of that nature. So we're putting together a significant marketing strategy in the state of California and also in the state of Nevada to make sure that IVX, IVXX ends up to be one of the household dominant players in the marketplace. Legislation, of course, is in flux in California. We have, now that we've passed adult use, MMRSA, which is the medical piece of legislation, AUMA, which is the uh, Prop 64 adult use piece of legislation, are kind of going back to the cutting room floor to work out all the details and language as far as legislation is concerned. So while we're de developing this comprehensive marketing and strategic plan, we're also waiting patiently to make sure whatever plan we do develop adheres to those different pieces of legislation. The, one of the reasons they held off on that, which is a very responsible thing from a legislative standpoint, was to make sure that if Prop 64 passes, that they can mirror the language in both the recreational side and the medical side as much as possible. That way us as operators aren't sitting there every day of the week operating with two different sets of rules across the board, which would be very, very uh, strategically difficult for us to do. Uh, a little bit about uh, Edible Garden. We shipped our first order of four-inch potted living herbs to Wegmans Food in New Jersey. Wegmans, as, you, as those of you who live in the Northeast know, is a great household name. We're fortunate to be able to gain traction there and expand our distribution. Very reputable supermarket chain. Um, Edible Garden, as we talked about before, continues to provide steady cash flow to support the business. We've increased autom automation at the facility, productivity, and gross margins. We've expanded our Dutch movable table system. We should have that expansion completed in December 2016 to meet demand. We're experiencing increased demand month over month. We are adding additional contract growers throughout the country for additional distribution of the new organic super leaf lettuce. And we're also planning for additional acreage of growers for the new organic super leaf lettuce to enter the $5.2 billion category of cut leaf lettuce. So one of the things that we haven't done in the past is cut lettuce. And everybody's bought those, that bag lettuce, and we've all experienced, you know, three days after you buy that, you open it up, and half of that lettuce is slime. So the cut lettuce is becoming a dominant player. And, again, that's $5.2 billion of cut leaf sales across the United States. The super leaf lettuce is becoming that dominant market entry product for us, that differentiation product that nobody else has. This is a patent-pending product that we have exclusivity to that has – significantly higher antioxidants, nutrient density than the, the competitive green leaf and red leaf lettuce in the marketplace. So when we go to the retailers, we're able to bring something that's not only organic, not only locally grown, but has a higher, higher vitamin impact, higher antioxidant, the, the consumer's ultimately getting more value for the dollar that they spend. 
We've been getting great traction with this product out of the gate, and we think this is, that, again, that differentiating factor that's going to allow us expansion into additional retailers throughout the country. We, uh, we, we just actually, uh, with the Superleaf Edible Gardens, we were the main sponsor of the Rutgers University 250 Breeding Celebration event last week. That event was essentially organized to promote all plant varieties that were developed by Rutgers scientists and that are now commercialized. I'm going to take this time now to turn the call over to CFO Mike James to review our financials more in depth. Thank you, Derek, and good afternoon, everyone. I will now provide you with a summary of our third quarter 2016 results. For the more detailed results, please refer to the press release we issued earlier today, which is posted on our website, along with the Form 10-Q filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. In addition, please note that we compile our financials under U.S. GAAP, including in non-operating expenses. For the quarter ended September 30, 2016, we generated revenues of approximately $7 million compared to $2 million for the quarter ended September 30, 2015, an increase of approximately $4.9 million, or 244%. The increase was primarily due to the sales from the acquisition of the Bloom Dispensary in Oakland, California, which closed on April 1, 2016, sales of Ibex cannabis products, and Edible Garden sales of its produce, herbs, and floral products. Third quarter results revenues also benefited from sales at the Western Las Vegas Bloom Dispensary, which opened during the second fiscal quarter of 2016. Our gross margin for the third quarter of 2016 was approximately $1.3 million, or 19%, compared to approximately $370,000, or 18% for the same period a year ago. SG&A expenses for the quarter totaled $6 million, or 86% of sales, compared to $2 million, or 104% of sales a year ago. The increase was primarily due to an increase in salaries due to the new hires associated with the Bloom dispensaries. Other expenses include an increase in consultant fees in connection with the Nevada business and an increase in amortization expense due to the intangible assets acquired in the Black Oak Gallery acquisition. We incurred a net loss of approximately $5.9 million, or one cent per share, for the third quarter of 2016, compared to a loss of approximately $2 million, or one cent per share, for the quarter ended September 30, 2015. The primary reason for the increase in the net loss is the aforementioned increase in general and administrative expenses. Now turning to the balance sheet. On September 30, 2016, we had a cash balance of approximately $3.4 million, compared to a cash balance of approximately 418000 at December 31st of 2015. Short-term debt as of September 30th, 2016 amounted to approximately $2 million compared to approximately 917,000 as of December 31st, 2015. Long-term debt increased from zero to 836,000 during the nine months of 2016 due to additional borrowing used for working capital and capital expenditures. Stockholders' equity for the third quarter of 2016 amounted to $39.3 million, an increase of $32.9 million compared to $6.3 million as of December 31, 2015. Total revenues generated from cannabis products for the third quarter of 2016 totaled $4.8 million compared to $429,000 from the third quarter of 2015. The increase is due to the acquisition 
of Bloom Oakland, the opening of Bloom Nevada on Western and Las Vegas, more distribution and stable product produced at IBEX. Now I'd like to turn the call back over to Derek for some closing comments. Mike, thank you very much. Um, we started this company back in 2010 in a tiny warehouse in a uh, bad area of Oakland, California, with about four employees. And to see what we've accomplished over the last handful of years is uh, remarkable, remarkable to me, considering the several first years were in a very, what I would say, relatively hostile environment, uh, specifically in the state of Northern California. Um, this is the first time we as a management team feel like we have some significant wind at our back. It's amazing what we've done just in the last 12 to 18 months, and we feel like that momentum is only going to snowball in our favor on a go-forward basis. So we're using the change and the shift in legislation to really execute where our expertise is. This is a game of branding. The people who brand the best and get the most exposure in the key marketplaces, and again, to us, it's California and Nevada right now, are going to win the game. We want that homogenized kind of franchise experience at the retail level that exists in every other industry in the country, any other industry in the world. If you walk into a Starbucks in Northern California and order a mocha and do the same thing in Massachusetts and you get a different product, you're not going to stand for that. And in the cannabis industry, you shouldn't either. You should be able to have the same replicable experience from a product standpoint, a consistency standpoint, and, a, uh, and, a, and a, just an overall general experience standpoint. And that is something that's so fragmented right now that we're trying to be the disruptor in that space. So branding of our Bloom retail dispensaries is a core focus for us in multiple marketplaces. Expansion of the IVXX brand and getting that branding momentum on a wholesale basis is our other primary focus. If we can win those two games and not be pushed into the corner as a commodity provider, we think we walk out of this you know, having a significant advantage over our competitors. So coupled with that, we are very focused on continuing top-line revenue growth, as all of you have seen. We think we've positioned ourselves and we're trending to beat our numbers, and we'll hopefully put out some uh, numbers for 2017 as well. Uh, if you notice, we had a, re a reduction of SGA as a percentage of sales. That's all part of that fiscal discipline that we're trying to put into place to lean out the operations as we bring those operations up, up to speed and on board. Gross margin expansion, as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, is a primary focus of ours. And if you've noticed, we've had significant debt reduction, and we're going to be focusing from today going forward of ending the year in a position where we have very little debt on the books, and we're going to use this momentum in the stock price to put some cash on the balance sheet for acquisitions, to have a war chest, and to position ourselves to, have, to be able to execute on our strategic plan going forward. We really want to improve the balance sheet. And if we have the tools that we need walking in 2017, having this legislative shift in that wind at our back, we really feel like this is a year to be able to excel. So on behalf of uh, management, the board of directors, we want to take this time to thank all of our shareholders. We've had extremely, extremely loyal shareholders since day one. And I can't tell you as a management team how much that means to us from a trust standpoint. And we want to make sure that we're doing right by each and every one of you. I'd like to take this time now to open up the, uh, the call for uh, questions and answers. Phil. Okay. Uh, first question we have, with recreational cannabis now legal in Nevada and California, 
What steps does the company need to take in order to sell recreational cannabis? Is there a time frame for these laws to go into effect? I think we have people showing up at the doors already with some some of the messaging I got back. So um, I, I outlined it a little bit. It, 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 everything's in flux a little bit right now. It looks like in Nevada we'll be able to start selling recreational around summertime, which, again, gives us a good 18-month head start from any competition coming into the marketplace. And the beauty of Nevada is we have the strip perfectly surrounded. We have more access points than any other provider in the in the marketplace there coupled with our exposure in a very, very, very prime location in the, uh, the Reno, Washoe County area. So California um, is going to be a little bit more of a, uh, a moving target right now, but certainly the first part of 2018, uh, actually today, is, it, you can actually walk around with an ounce today, you know, so recreational is active today, but, you know, you can't actually sell it till the rules and regulations are implemented. So we've got a little bit of a waiting game on that side. But again, the beauty of this is we're walking into an environment with great retail exposure in the state. We have a huge M&A focus in the state of California to, to compound on this momentum. And we want to make sure we build that Bloom brand in multiple sectors. We want to make sure we build that IVXX brand and we build that up in anticipation of not only being an adult use environment, but also a for-profit environment. So that's, what, that's kind of the, the status of the two pieces of legislation. We'll try to give updates as time goes on, but we're certainly positioning ourselves for an infrastructure standpoint. This gives us a little bit of time to ramp up um, in, in what we think the anticipated demand might look like. Okay. Uh, next question. Do you anticipate competition from companies that already operate in recreational cannabis states? Oh, yeah. There's competition out there, bar none. And, you know, it, there's there's... The paradigm shift that's happened over the last few years is there's real money coming into the space. Now, there's real money coming into the space from an investment standpoint, and there's real players coming into the space to develop existing brands. So California is a competitive marketplace, but I think we are extremely in a position to be extremely well capitalized. I think California is very fragmented, and there's a huge M&A roll-up opportunity in the state. And I also think there's a huge organic growth opportunity in the state as well. Um, coupled again with with Nevada marketplace with our firm infrastructure there, but there's competition certainly. We get a tremendous amount of traction media because we're a public company. We leverage that traction media to get our brands out there. So we think we have to certainly have a competitive advantage to get ahead of everybody from a branding standpoint. Going back to my prior comment, we win if we brand well, and that's where our primary focus is. Okay. Uh, do you have any plans to move into Massachusetts now that recreational cannabis passed there? Well, I know you can't tell by my accent, but uh, I'm from Massachusetts. I packed my cat, have it yet. So um, I certainly have an appetite to, to, to move back home. But I've said this multiple times. We're still a small company. There's capital um, and bandwidth issues. And if we're going to focus on markets, we're focusing on the primary markets. And California is the sixth largest economy on the planet, the biggest cannabis market probably on the planet, definitely in the United States. That being said, Nevada is what we think is going to be the third most productive uh, market in the United States with the 40-something million people that come into a few square miles on an annual basis. And if we're now 21 years or older, we think there's a huge opportunity in that. And again, from a branding standpoint, why Nevada, specifically Las Vegas, is so impactful is we get visitors there from all over the world. Not that we don't in California, but we get them in Nevada even more so, specifically Las Vegas. So we have an opportunity to take that Ivex and Bloom brand and get people familiar with it from Massachusetts, from Florida, from Michigan, 
from Europe, wherever they happen to be coming in from. And that is a huge asset for us for, again, to couple and go back with that branding exposure, which is our primary strategic motivation right now. Um, that's a huge opportunity and a great platform for us to be able to execute on that. Okay. Do you plan to expand into Florida now that cannabis is legalized for medical use? Yeah, we definitely have an appetite for Florida, obviously with the population density and the size and scope of the potential market that's there. I think what you're going to see is the people that won the permits last time around, the CBD-only permits, are really going to get protectionist in nature. And what I mean by that is they're going to want to they're going to basically lobby to keep outside permits from being issued for a certain period of time to give them an opportunity to build their business and ramp and get some semblance of ROI. And I don't blame them. It's exactly what we put into the language in, in Nevada to make sure we had a chance to recoup. They put up early risk. They put up early capital into an undeveloped market. So they're going to they're gonna be aggressive to protect that for a period of time. We're also going to be aggressive to make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, will we be successful in the short run? I'm not sure. So the worst case scenario is there. There's a waiting game. Maybe it's 12 months. Maybe it's 24 months. Maybe it's 18 months but there will be an opportunity for us to get engaged there. And again, if we've done a phenomenal job in building our brands out in the California and Nevada marketplaces, that's an easy thing for us to transition to any other market. But I really think the next progressive market for us is New Jersey. Whether Christie steps down and takes some sort of appointment uh, in D.C., whether or not you know, he terms out both sides of the legislation in Nevada, including the incoming potential governors, are supportive of not only medical cannabis, but also adult use legalization. And I've said this since day one, that, that synergistic and complementary um, edible garden uh, endeavor that we put into place, we're not going to vacate, we're not going to move away from, we're putting a lot of energy into building that brand, but to have that infrastructure and that backbone in place to be able to execute on this transition, which we see upcoming in the not-too-distant future is going to give us a huge first-mover advantage. So New Jersey is an absolute focus, and of course, again, Florida as well, but the effort energy in Florida is going to begin with lobbying to create opportunity for ourselves. Okay. Uh, do you have any plans to expand into Canada? I don't know that we can get into Canada. My understanding is that the uh, border has been shut down because there's been mass migration, but joking, <laughs> joking aside, um, not at this point in time. Uh, you know, our focus is in the U.S., our focus is in the key markets, and once we execute here and build significant size, scope, and infrastructure, we'll, of course, look at, you know, just about anything. But the natural progression for us is making sure we have all the developed and key markets within the framework, within one, one set of, uh, say, federal rules eventually, and, and, and uh, something that we can manage, again, from a, from a bandwidth standpoint. Okay. Um, is Superleaf reaching the goals of its business plan? Yeah, Superleaf is, um, and we've really actually made sure we sat down and focused on how we're going to roll this out. That's what's been most important to us. We really, for the first time, feel like we have a lead product that differentiates ourselves from all the other stuff that's commoditized on the protocile. Again, we've always segregated ourselves with the fancy packaging, our own displays. If you've walked into most of those retailers in the Northeast, I know a lot of our shareholders have. They buy our products. You've seen that we merchandise separate from everybody else. And those are the things that have separated ourselves and allowed for that, that expansion of product. But this is something that fundamentally has far different characteristics of anything else you can find in the marketplace. And when we have a chance to get in front of buyers at all of the facilities we're already doing business with, this is a great opportunity to leverage another product in there. But more importantly than that, 
it's a great opportunity when we're going to new retailers that we haven't don't have a developed relationship with, and we're not just showing them basil or fancy packaging or a different way to merchandise. We're actually showing them something that has differentiation associated with it, which they look for too when they are when they're you know allocating uh, linear shelf space and floor space. So yeah, we're uh, we're 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 on target. We're getting great feedback. The sell through rates are very very attractive. Uh, but we're making sure that we develop our key growers in multiple marketplaces so that we have infrastructure in place so that if we do get a big contract, we can fulfill that uh, demand. Okay. Uh, the website indicates that edible garden products are in 1,800 stores in 18 states. Are there plans for expansion? And is this a product line you anticipate being in all 50 states? Yeah, we want to expand this nationally. I really think it has the legs for national expansion. And to couple on, or to add to what I just said, um, we're building out the grower network to produce the product first and foremost. Once we have that grower network in place, we're going to go to that natural expansion from a retail standpoint. So, yeah, in a perfect world, we want this in all 50 states. We want this in all key markets, and that's an absolute priority for us. Okay, we have time for one more. Uh, is the IVEX product line only offered at your facilities, or are you open to distributing to other facilities? Yeah, we're in, we're in several hundred retailers in the state of California. So uh, we certainly push a tremendous amount of product. I think it's actually our best-selling brand at our Bloom location in Oakland. But we are, um, we're wholesaling that from San Diego to San Francisco and everything in between. So um, we're at, that's one of the reasons we've seen the, the growth on that side. So what we're doing right now is we're building sales forces that cover NorCal, Central, and Southern California to make sure we have brand ambassadors and brand representatives out there in the marketplace uh, going to different dispensaries. It really is the wine rep model. It's not much different than, than that. We really want to make sure we get these brand representatives to educate people on the products, the level of consistency, purity, and the level of production that goes into it. And we really feel like this pre-filled cartridge division is going to be one of our biggest growth drivers on a go-forward basis. We're at an amazing run rate with these right now. We actually had to expand the production of it up in Oakland with additional equipment. And we're bursting at the seams right now, which the timing of being able to get the San Leandro permit and open up a lab there is really going to be helpful for us to continue to drive sales. So, yeah, we're absolutely wholesaling it out to multiple uh, retailers, and we're going to continue to build that footprint. The beauty of the IVEX brand is we're not held back by the bandwidth or capacity of a single retail location. That's why we can really move the needle from a top-line revenue standpoint through our wholesale distribution. Now, of course, the margins aren't as great as they are on the retail side, but they blend out very, very well overall, considering we've got exposure of our own retail and wholesale throughout the marketplace in general. So absolute priority for us. The IVEX brand, we think, is, uh, is, is going to be one of the premier brands of the state of California. And again, we're, we're kind of pivoting from the way we've been marketing it now that adult use is on the table to be, again, more about lifestyle brand. If you look at our packaging, we really kind of developed it for a recreational look and feel a while back, knowing, again, skating where we think the puck is going to be, not where it's at. And in this case, it's, it's, it we turns out we were right, we were effective. So we're launching more products. We're putting Salesforce out there. We're increasing our capacity and ability to produce product. And that's, again, that's our, one of our primary motivations coming into 2017. Okay. That's it? Yep. All right. Well, again, thank you to the over 400 people that are on the call today. I want to thank you, Phil, for uh, putting the call together, Stuart, for 
uh, structuring the, uh, the acoustics on the call. Uh, again, from the board of directors, the management team, the officers, we can't thank you enough for the support that you've given us since uh, 2010. We're really looking forward to this new legislative environment. We couldn't have been more thrilled with what happened last night from an election standpoint due with the, with the, with the cannabis uh, legislation across the country. We think this was a huge tipping point for the industry. It's a great catalyst from a momentum standpoint, and we look forward to giving you continued updates on our annual filing here coming up uh, at the end of the year. Take care, everybody.